welcome to the Girl Guys Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today on the podcast, I have a super special guest. Shanika Abbey-Singh is a member of the mastermind that I am in, actually, but far more than that. She's one of the co-founders of Bessie Box. So Bessie makes it easy for people to enjoy high-quality meat and seafood directly from local farmers and producers here in Alberta. I am a user of their product. Their beef is absolutely incredible. I haven't tried the seafood yet, but it's on my list, and it is delivered to your door so, so quickly. But I was interested in um, sharing Shanika's story in particular because, as I've discovered through my mastermind, she's just such an incredible uh, incredible human being. She's an incredible marketer, so smart at how, how she communicates. How they've been managing their communication throughout COVID as a company, I think, has been really, really interesting. But she's also got her own little story of burnout. And I think for many listeners of the podcast, we've all had our struggles with stress and anxiety, and especially in the workplace, right? The workplace is one of uh, the areas we find the most stress in our lives. So I think it's really interesting for for us to dive a little further into that topic. And Shanika honestly shares with us um, how she keeps her physical and her mental health in check as she's uh, part of an expanding business. And she also shares a little bit about what she knows for sure. So it's a fantastic conversation. I know you'll get so much from her. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. And this particular episode is brought to you by Park Power. They are a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offer, offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small local business, and like many of you and like like me, uh, it's been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business hasn't changed and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. So you can find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. Now, I also want to point you to a fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network, uh, who we've promoted before, Modern Manhood. So this is a podcast where it's a series of interviews towards understanding the many different views of masculinity, and it's hosted by German Villegas. Now, episode number 107, which came out on June 7th, is about the murder of George Floyd with Avery Lewis McDougall and Sharon Rutger. German brought two people to the mic to speak on their experience living as black people in Edmonton. Uh, They talk about what it's like to be black in Alberta, as well as uh, sharing their thoughts about this moment in America and here in Canada. So it's just such a relevant episode. And German's always a fantastic interviewer. So I know that you will learn a lot from this episode. Now, let's get into the interview with Shanika. Well, thank you very much, Shanika, for joining the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you here. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. So usually you and I are chatting in our little masterminds, uh, but this is a chance to dive deeper. So I'm pumped about it. Me too. I'm excited to do a little bit of a deep dive for you to learn a little bit more about me. Well, I so I mostly know you through Bessie, which we will get to. But when I actually checked out your LinkedIn page, I'm like, man, this girl has some serious like PR and communications experience. So like what brought you down that path? Oh, wow. I would love to say that it was one answer and that it's very linear, but it's not at all. Um, So I 
really wanted to work for the UN when I was little. And I also thought I would win an Oscar. (laughs) Very ambitious. So when I went to school, I ended up studying law and society as well as a film degree. So that's what I graduated with. And through university, I just interned at a lot of nonprofits and really worked my butt off and took every unpaid volunteer opportunity I could just to get as much experience as I could. And it basically became that a lot of my jobs and volunteer experience were all in communications and marketing. So my last year of university, because of course, like what do I need more is more school. Um, Mm -hmm. I picked up a minor in communications and that I think set me up for uh, the career that I've had. So I graduated in 2016 and it's like a recession, which was not the easiest thing. Um, but then through one of my volunteer opportunities, I actually got a job at a PR agency. That was my first sort of post-grad job. And then after that, ran a film festival for a few years on top of working at the Calgary Drop-In Center in Communications. And then somehow all of that led me to Bessie. That's amazing. So, because I was noticing, I saw the Paramount pictures. So the Oscar and the <laughs> communications thing all to tie together now. Was yeah. that, that wasn't here, surely? No, so it was. So Paramount actually works with, um, I guess, how to describe it, but like agencies across Canada to promote films. Oh, okay. There's an agency in Vancouver that was working with myself here in Calgary to promote some of their movies. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. And it's, you seem to have this common thread through your work experience, through your volunteer, like with community being such a key thing. Is that something that like you grew up with in your family? Was volunteering a part of the fabric growing up? Um, I would say no, it wasn't something that I grew up with. However, um, community was really important. You know, my parents, they immigrated to Canada with nothing. And the reason why they have been able to build a life that they have and that I've been able to grow up in such a great way is because of the community of friends and that they've built. Um, But my mom has always ingrained in us to give back. So even when my mom and dad had nothing, they would always give to anyone that needed it. And um, that's something that I definitely hold dear. Um, I will say that's an interesting thing that you notice looking at my career uh, because growing up and I guess hitting my mid twenties, I had a quarter life crisis, (laughs) wasn't sure what I was doing. Um, but it took me a while to figure out what my purpose was. And it's interesting that you saw it right away from looking at my LinkedIn. And it took me like 25 years, a full year of working on myself to figure out what it was. So, Well, and it's, it's, it's always easier, I think, being the outside person looking mm-hmm. in, I think, to see that common thread. Because when you're in it, you're in it, right? Yeah, 100%. And also, like, I have volunteered at the drop-in center, but obviously never worked there. But that's a hard gig. That's a, it, yeah. you know, that's a really it's not that it's a hard place to work necessarily in terms of HR or anything like that I don't know but you're dealing with a lot of serious issues and that must take a toll definitely so one of the things I've learned about myself over the last year is I'm I'm an empath like I I feel everything around me and working at the Calgary Drop-In Center, it was incredible work like I definitely felt like I was making a difference but it was hard um because you see so many people at the lowest points of their life. And I know that we're doing everything we can to help them. But I think what affected me more was just um, when it felt like they didn't have community. I've been so lucky to have the most amazing friends and family. 
Um, so when you have conversations and you realize that um, they're being stigmatized and people that are vulnerable are just people, <laughs> they're going through it. Um, I found it amazing work, like I said, but just really challenging on my emotions for sure, because I, I wanted to do more. And if I had, you know, a day that I wasn't working as hard as I should have been, I use air quotes on that, I felt really bad. Like I wasn't just letting down my team. I was letting down the, I think at that point it was like 3000 vulnerable people that the DI served. So yeah. it was heavy. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved, was it from there you moved to the film festival? No. No. So I actually, um, after I worked at Brookline, I started running the film festival. Right. Um, And then I, it was like a part-time gig. So I picked up the DI sort of at the same time. So I was working more than full-time at the DI and then also running a film festival, (laughs) Um, 50 plus hours a month. So it was, it was a lot. So I'm curious because uh, a little birdie, a mutual friend of ours, when I was like, you know, Shanika better than I do, what should I be asking her? And she's like, well, I think she has a story of burnout. Is it related to this time period of like, oh, 100%. Yeah. would you share it with us? Like, yeah, of course. Like? It's something that I'm more comfortable talking about now because I've had the time to reflect and realize that's what I was going through. So I was working a lot, way too much, um, at the DI, uh, I can, I think I can speak about this transparently, but basically my team in the time I was there was a revolving door. So at times there was like four of us at times there was just me. (laughs) And when you're doing communications for the largest, um, homeless serving organization in North America, being alone, it's really difficult. Yeah. So I was doing that and working insane hours and then also running the film festival. And it got to a point where I was just functioning, like barely functioning and kind of going through life as if it was a checklist, um, which is fine. I think at some points in your life, but not when it's consistently every day and not when it comes to your personal relationships. So I noticed that with my friends, I would even have a checklist in my mind of like things to ask them and it would never be like an organic connection. I wouldn't even, this sounds awful, but I wouldn't even really care about what they were saying. It was just like a matter of like, I need to get through this. Um, And it was really awful. And what ended up happening was January, 2019 or February. I don't remember. I, oh no, was it 2019? Maybe. I don't remember. Well, you started (laughs) Etsy in 2019. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It was 2019. Um, I got laid off Right. and it was like this first time in my life that my contract with the film festival ended. I got laid off and I was just, I didn't know who I was. Like my identity felt like it was stripped from me. I was so tired like physically and mentally. And I had no idea what was going on with me. And I remember being like distraught for the first month. You know, I was still reaching for my phone, like habitually. And then I realized just how much work I'd been doing. Like Mm -hmm. I would still wake up at 630 and the first thing I would do is reach my phone and try to check my email, which is insane. Like, (laughs) And I would still want to do that later on in the evening. So it got to that point and I had to take a step back and look at my entire life and think, all right, what's next for me? I had no idea. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I had no idea. And I also knew mentally I wasn't in the right place. 
So I was fortunate enough, I will say working a full-time job and a <laughs> part-time job, I had saved a lot of money. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some time. I'm just going to take some time. I'm going to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to cry about things that I should have cried about years ago. I'm going to really focus on my mental health. And at the same time, I went to a career and life coach because I was really unsure about what my career would look like. Like I left the DI thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to work in communications and marketing again. Just because my experience, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just that it was so much. And then to get laid off on top of it all, I was like, I was giving you everything. Like, (laughs) what do you mean? And then I also went to a nutritionist because what's interesting is running a food company is I actually have a very complicated relationship with food. So I was like, all right, let's just take the time to take care of me. And then that's what I did for a few months. I took some freelance contracts here and there, um, but really started to rebuild myself, my confidence and understanding. I don't call it work-life balance because I think like that's not a real thing. I think it's like work-life flow, you know, like sometimes it's going to be crazy in one place and sometimes it's not. Um, Learning how to say no and realizing that boundaries are a good thing, like that was something that I really needed to practice and build. And then when Bessie became this wild thing that we're running and an opportunity, I felt prepared for it. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a rough while for sure. So it's not actually really though that much time, Look, if I look at your LinkedIn, between that episode of burnout mm-hmm. and starting Bessie, is it? No, it actually isn't. It was a couple of months. Um, But I will say it's because I could stand still for a little bit. You know, when I think about university, even I was taking a lot of courses because I have two degrees. Um, I was working two jobs, I think in my last few years, like I was also volunteering at school, but outside of school. So I was always going and going, going, going. And then um, I guess like for the first time, yeah, my life stood still and I could actually focus on my mental health and um, really didn't do anything. (laughs) Like just went to therapy, just went to my nutritionist, like figured out how to take care of myself again and went to my career coach and started working on like what my values were and stuff like that. Like I, I think because I had all that time off, it kind of accelerated uh, me feeling better about myself and stuff yeah. like that and coming out of burnout and feeling like a human again that I was prepared yeah. when Bessie came. Because you're right, it wasn't that much, like it wasn't that far after yeah. um, at all. So for the listeners who don't know you and who don't mm-hmm. know what Bessie is, and we keep saying Bessie, can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about it and how it came to be? Yeah. So Bessie Box is a meat delivery service. Uh, We work with local farmers and fishermen and deliver their meat and seafood directly to customers' doors. Um, I got involved in June or July of 2019, uh, kind of off of just taking a chance. So Spencer, who's one of my fellow co-founders, he, um, I noticed on LinkedIn that he had left his lovely job at IBM and I thought he was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And he was asking a lot of people about food and I just shot him a message and I was like, Hey, what are you doing? Do you want to go for beer? And like, let's talk about it. And instead he brought me into the office, pitched me his entire company, um, and was like, I need some help. I'm about to start selling and (laughs) when he means about to, he meant like next week. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like I can help like build some communications and marketing material. Like I can, I can do that for you. And initially the conversation was about me being freelance. 
but I, I had this gut feeling that this could be something exciting. So I actually never sent him an invoice. <laughs> and about, uh, I would say like less than a month in, I was like, okay, I want, I want to do this full time. So it's been that ever since. We're coming up on one year very shortly. So. <laughs> Okay, I want to take a very quick break from our interview with Shanika to just let you know that our group coaching program, Don't Just Survive, Thrive, Building Resilience During COVID-19, launches, our next cohort launches on June 23rd. Now, this is all about how you bounce back, right? So if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, overworked, just everything exhausted right now with the stress of COVID, with the stress you may have had before, and you're like, I just want to get to the other side of this. I want to build this like the tools and the strategies and the mindset so that stress doesn't own me, I own my stress, right? Then this group coaching program is the perfect fit for you. So it's going to be six weeks where week by week, you will build the foundations for lasting stress reduction. It's just absolute fire. And the women that have been through cohorts one and two have given it nothing but glowing reviews. I'm a little bit of a geek. So I always get surveys done. 100% of them said they learned really valuable school skills that they were able to immediately apply. And 100% of them said that they would recommend it to someone else. I got an email from one of the cohort members just the other day saying she had an unbelievably stressful day the other day, but she said she knew that she was able to handle it so much better than she would have six weeks prior to taking the program. This is a group coaching program where you're going to benefit not just from having, you know, being able to dive into your specific challenges, but into hearing the challenges of other people. And it may not be relevant to you in this particular moment, but it's kind of that magic soft that you can save for later so that when you encounter those challenges yourself, you've got the tools to deal with it. It's just going to be such an incredible program. Again, cohorts one and two sold out really, really quickly. So if you want one of the remaining three spots, email me victoria at stresslessladies.com and we can talk about what that looks like and get you started and get you part of this Don't Just Survive Thrive community. Okay, back to the interview. And like the growth in a year has been phenomenal, or it seems to be from yeah. the outside looking in. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I think that that's um, such a misconception. We've been getting a lot of, oh, you're an overnight success, and that's not it at all. Right. Um, we went through such slow months, and this is right. such a new thing for all of us. So we're learning as we go. Um, we went through two accelerators, which definitely helped. So the TAP program um, and Junction through Platform Calgary definitely created like the basis for us to now, as we have been accelerating a lot of growth, to yeah. do it well. Um, but it was a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're not getting paid. So <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of financial sacrifice and stuff like that for a while, but it's turned out for the best, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say this really quick for the listeners. First off, I am not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> I love your product and the service is phenomenal. Like the system is like, so when you order online, you immediately pretty much get a text saying, okay, your delivery is going to come on whatever day. Does that work for you? Yes or no? Like within two minutes, I got that text. And then, you know, you resp- I know it's all automated and all that stuff. <laughs> and you like... 
like it's just so quick and so easy and like the little bag that it comes in with and like it's phenomenal and and especially so as we're recording this it is may 27th mm-hmm. with everything that's been happening in alberta with covid with the covid outbreaks at the meat packing plants yeah. there was just this sense honestly for our family of like this is a very safe option supports local farmers in a really great way feels really sustainable and you're doing this incredible thing of like making the like lean ground beef cheaper for people so that, yeah. like because that's <laughs> what we all like are needing right now so that's just my personal little you should work with Bessie because they're amazing you should get <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> just my little spiel um is f- was food security and sustainability a passion for you or has it just become a passion over time? Uh, It's become one over time. So I would say definitely working at the Calgary drop-in center. um, I think at the end of the day for me, I just want to find ways to help people. Um, And I think that my way of doing it is through communications and marketing. So working at the DI though, you definitely could see a lot of the gaps in society Um, and one of the things that I also have become passionate about is affordable housing, but food security was one of them. Um, and to see what other women in this space are doing, Laura Swan with leftovers. Um, I love that woman. (laughs) She was our second podcast guest, something like that. Very early on. Phenomenal. Um, I actually listened to her podcast, um, your interview with her years ago. And to think that I'm here now, it's kind of weird and full circle. Um, But but yeah, so just understanding um, what people really need and how I can support that. And also, I guess, you know, I'm a foodie. I really am. And to truly think that I could bring something better has fulfilled me in ways that I can't even imagine. And to build a business around has been amazing. Um, I will say COVID and seeing what's been going on at JBS and Cargill um, has sparked a lot of conversation that we've already been having uh, sort of amongst our team and why Bessie came to be. But it's nice to see sort of the public really get an honest portrayal of what it is these large meat packing plants are doing and um, why it is good to shop from local farmers. I really wish that it came from a place of just transparency and not people like their lovely employees getting sick. Yeah. And I think that the one thing that we can do through all of their loss is to actually don't forget their stories. Don't forget what they went through. Um, we, I don't know what people will be like after COVID, but I really hope that no one forgets any of their names and any of their faces and any of these organizations that did not do the best by their employees, honestly. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the meat that comes from your local farmers, then where is it packaged? So our farm, um, they have their own processing. Oh, and yeah. So it has to come from a provincial and federal abattoir. So depending on the products that we have, um, but they process it themselves. We have a second processor in the city, which um, was really helpful because of just supply chain over the last little bit. Um, obviously people are buying more. We try to tell everyone we're going to be fine and that we won't run out, <laughs> but we've had to kind of divert to all the processors to see what will happen and who can take on what, but yeah, generally it's right on the right with our farmers and, and they do it themselves. Yeah. Hmm. I'm curious from a communication standpoint, um, you guys have been great with your COVID communications, I Thank think, you. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you're also seeing 
all the, you know, all the communications everyone else is doing. My husband was saying, and I think in that first two weeks, he's like, if I get another email saying like, this is our COVID response, he's like, I'm just unsubscribing. <laughs> but like, what do you, what do you think people are missing with their COVID communications or what do you think we should be doing more of? Like what's worked for you guys? Uh, what's worked for us is just being really honest. I think that a lot of companies are sometimes scared to say they don't know. Yeah. And I remember we put out one because we were getting emails about um, questions about whether when all this JBS and cargo stuff was going down, whether prices would increase at the grocery store and whether our prices would increase or, you know, what would the whole supply chain look like? And I had to tell them, like, I don't know. Like, this is what our experience has been. And this is what the government's saying. Um, and this is all I can tell you, uh, but we're going to keep you updated and we're committed to being as transparent as we can. I also think um, maybe this is from a government perspective, but there needs to be more clarity with language. So we read everything, obviously, especially when it comes to food safety and we can break it down in a way that's more succinct, but we actually had a customer email us and say like, you guys are doing way better than the government right now and explaining what's happening. So I think just being honest and saying you don't know is the biggest thing. And then taking all the policies that are coming out and trying to make it more digestible for people. I know that's not our job, um, but people are scared right now. And, and I think a lot of companies need to recognize that it's such a human thing. Um, I'm scared too. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And if you come from a place of empathy and really feeling where these people are coming from and our customers and everyday Calgarians, it really changes the language that you're going to be using in your communications for sure. Yeah. So is it fair to say that with COVID, your sales have gone up? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's something we can talk about for sure. Well, I'm just curious, like, so with sales going up, the workload goes up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then it makes me wonder back to burnout and boundaries yeah. and all that kind of stuff. How are you managing that? It's easy to manage it when things are kind of just ticking along slowly, but when things get really busy, how do you keep mental, physical health in check? Yeah. So uh, before Spencer and Alex and I really committed to working together, um, we found this 50 word questionnaire online that is basically like a dating document for founders. And we had really frank discussions about mental health. And we realized amongst the three of us, this is something that is really, really important to us. So I still do online counseling when I need it. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll ever like cut out therapy ever. Um, I know the team does it as well. Um, we brought on drivers actually, not third party. We actually brought on drivers onto our team to help with deliveries and to take that off of our work schedule. And then one of the things is we just tell each other, you know, like I am not working this evening and it's not an expectation. Um, we can say no to each other, which is one of the best things in the world to have a team that gets it. And in terms of trying to keep my mental and physical health up, um, just checking in with myself and recognizing all of us are just trying to work during a pandemic. This isn't easy. Um, and that's okay. So some days if I'm not on my A game, um, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just where I'm at. Uh, but I will say I'm very blessed to have the most amazing team because if I tell them, Hey, I am taking Monday and I'm doing nothing and they'll get it and they don't expect anything. And I really am grateful for that. Yeah. That's great. And so Spencer was your friend before 
sorry, I forgot the other name. Of Alex. <laughs> Alex. Were, were you friends with Alex as well? It's so funny because um, my best friends are engineers. So through university, that's actually how I met Alex and Spencer. They're both engineers as well. And if you had told me six years ago that I'd be running a business with Alex and Spencer, I would have called you a liar. <laughs> because, you know, they were just people that I chatted with at parties. Like it was never, you know, we're going to build a business together. Um, but I will say it's been fun working together because we have so many complementary skills and somehow I feel like we're such a good team. But like I said, six years ago, if you would have told me that I would have been like, are you, (laughs) it sounds like with that questionnaire, like you guys were very thoughtful about how to set this up because there is the concern, right? Whether you're Mm -hmm. in business with a friend or a loved one or, you know, your partner, that like things can go downhill. So like, how do you approach challenges together? Oh, I am big on confronting. (laughs) I will just, (laughs) but the thing is, I wasn't like that before, you know, at the DI or even with my, at the film festival, I would never confront anyone with any problem ever because I was afraid of being mean. Um, But then I get bulldozed and now I just tell them, you know, like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, what I'm thinking. And the good news is, is they just are open to anything and I can push back on ideas and they don't take it personally. They can push back on mine and I don't take it personally. At the end yeah. of the day, like we want to build a successful business. I think that's at the heart of it, but we also respect each other. So any sort of criticism is not on us. It's just on maybe like a tech work that's being done or whatever, but it's not, none of us take it personally. Yeah. Um, I think that's been one of the benefits and also just recognizing like we're humans. <laughs> um, none of us are going to have it together all the time. Um, and just having like understanding that for sure and just being there for one another I think has been one of the biggest things in April um I got hit with (laughs) the worst stomach flu I've ever experienced so I was out of work for almost two weeks and to the point where normally if I'm out of work like I can still check emails here and there but I was like done like I could not do anything and um they picked up a slack for two weeks I didn't have to worry about anything they just did everything and I think like that's really important is that they just were always willing to pick up the slack for each other, help each other out when they need it. Um, take time out of all of our schedules to help someone else with the project. Like it's just really cooperative. I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. And I think also what you were saying at the beginning of like the, the language that you're choosing to use is really important as well. Right. Like you said, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. When you put it, it's like that Brene Brown, this is the story yeah. I'm telling myself as opposed to, you're pissing me off, right? <laughs> like it's, it's a very, it's, it can be the same thing, but it's a very different approach. Oh, hundred percent. And I think that happens sometimes when you're head, you're like, oh, this person is driving me crazy and I'm human. That happens to me too. But then I have to take a step back and be like, okay, like what else is going on here? You know, is this something that I'm doing? Is it something that I'm not understanding? And it's just about like having that stop gap instead of actually screaming at someone yeah. to be like, okay, what is actually going on and get a fuller picture. And I also think because we're so customer service heavy, that's something that you have to do with your customers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, customers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's fantastic. Now you said, uh, are we allowed to talk about expanding to Edmonton? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when does that happen? Uh, we're hoping for July. I'm going to put out in the universe and say July. I just don't know when in July, but hopefully July. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, I will tell all my Edmonton fr- Edmonton listeners because <laughs> we're part of the Alberta Podcast Network and many of them are in Edmonton. <laughs> Check out Bessie Box. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're excited. We're um, we're really, really excited. We want to make sure we do it thoughtfully. So I'm in the process of doing a lot of customers discovery. So talking to a lot of people in Edmonton to just see, you know, how they approach food, what matters to them and make sure that we get them the product that matters to them. So yeah, I'm excited. You see, for, for someone that did a law degree and a film degree, <laughs> you seem to have such a strategic mindset when it comes to communication. Was that really from the accelerators or is that you are just a strategic thinker to begin with? I think I've always been, <laughs> if my friends listen to this podcast, like she's always been very type A. Um, I, <laughs> I really like to think things through and to try to have the biggest effect, but I will say it became more um, clear cut, I guess, when I was working at the DI because we were focusing on so many campaigns yeah, losing money. So you had to work it backwards to see like what are every little thing I can do and like what's the strategy behind what we're doing. Um, going through the accelerators though, it was interesting to bring it more so from um, not the nonprofit side, but the business side yeah. and how I can bring my skill set to that. But yes, I am. I, I own that now. I wouldn't have stepped into it yeah. before, but yes, I'm a very strategic thinker and I try to think everything through. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've appreciated it in the masterminds. I have to say your advice is always like rock solid. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So this might be tied to your burnout story. It might be something yeah, completely yeah. different, but like, has there been a time in your life that you've really had to like develop resilience? Like you've just had to work on bouncing back basically. Yeah. I would say it's tied to burnout for sure. Or just that I would say I was building Bessie in 2019, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. So um, I really had to pick myself up again, for sure, especially after um, getting laid off because yeah. I had defined myself by those roles, which is such like, I would really recommend no one do that. <laughs> um, your work is not who you are. Uh, but for me, that's how I felt. So I really had to build myself up again. And also I was going through a difficult time with my family. Um, some of my friendships like were really taking a hit and I had to pick myself up again and figure out a way to keep going. And it was really, really challenging, but um, I am resilient. I always have been. I think in those moments though, I had a hard time believing it and I had to talk to myself so much, which I know sounds like a crazy person right now, but I would treat myself like I thought Oprah would treat me <laughs> and think about what Oprah would tell me um, to try and get through all of it because it was really, really, really challenging. Like I have never gone through something more transformative in my life for sure. Those like few months where I was doing nothing because it was not just getting laid off and um, the jobs ending or the mental health stuff. It was like years of stuff prior that I had to confront in that moment. And all these stories I told about myself that weren't true and like really look at myself and think, is this who I am? Like, is this who I am right now? That's fine. But you know, you can't treat yourself this poorly. Yeah. And looking back on all of it, I, I think about just the years in university too, where I was doing so much, <laughs> but how much I told myself I wasn't enough <laughs> and how like badly that ate at me. And then when, like I said, when I got laid off and that was the one thing defining me, it just completely tore me down. And I really had to find myself again and find my voice again. And I will say, um, it's important to have representation, I find. I finally understand it <laughs> in the fields that we're in um, because 
when we first started Bessie, I had a really hard time speaking my mind because I was afraid I was going to make someone mad. I was afraid I was going to just disappoint someone that I wouldn't be right. And part of that resiliency came there where I was like, no, I'm going to fight for me because I deserve a seat at the table. I'm going to pick myself up when I make mistakes and I'm going to keep moving forward. And that's kind of where we are today, where I can have a podcast with interview with you and talk about my mental health and be really transparent and honest about everything. Well, I, I commend you for sharing these stories because I think so many of us, especially like there is this trend with younger people. You know, you talked, I think, before we started recording about like the quarter life crisis or maybe we we're recording. I don't remember. <laughs> but that's really common, actually, because so many of us are, there's the pressure to figure out what do I need to study? Because what am I going to do afterwards? Like yeah. you put so much intensity on that. And then the pressure to get the grades and the pressure to get all the things on your resume yeah. to get the job afterwards, getting the job, putting your all into it, and then something changes, right? Yeah. We're not in careers for 5, 10, 15 years. Like we're not in jobs for 5, 10, 15 years anymore, so that first time that you're making that pivot can be, whether it's your choice or not, can be so scary. A hundred percent. And I think the biggest lesson I learned was that I needed to stop trying to put myself in a box of what I thought everyone else wanted me to be. Um, because that was at a hundred percent. Like I went, had a law society degree and all of my law society friends went to law school. <laughs> and then with my film degree, the majority have gone to do their master's in cinema studies or communications. And then some of them have gone on to do their PhD. And I just knew that none of those paths made sense for me. Um, and that I needed to kind of, it took me a while. I'm finally okay with it now. Just recognize that everyone's on their own path and mine's a little bit different. And for some people there are going to, you know, work at a job for X amount of years and that's okay. But I think I was striving to fit into that box even when I wasn't happy. And that's when it really hit me, my mental health for sure. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best with Bessie. I love the product. I love the way that you guys approach it. I love the strategy that you've got behind it. So I wish you all the best. So we'll move into the final five that I ask all my guests. Actually, before I do that, is there anything you're wanting to give a shout out about? This will be going live in like two weeks. <laughs> I would just say uh, thank you to Calgary. You know, I honestly believe that our business has been successful because of everyday Calgarians. And that means the startup ecosystem that's been so supportive of us, our customers that have put up with us for a year now, making mistakes and growing with them. And women like you who are giving myself a platform, but then also are someone behind the scenes that's helping me build my business. So just thank you to everyone. And I'm excited to see Bessie grow and I'm excited to bring all of you really great food. So <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So the final five, what are some of the things or projects that get you fired up in a good way? Oh, I love, and I never would have loved this before. But customer discovery, I love. So I love talking to people, clearly, um, and trying to figure out their why and what matters to them. And then also mapping out customer journey. So seeing kind of where along the buyer's journey customers are and where Bessie can add value. But any company, I look at any business now and I'm like, oh, I think I could help them in that way. But it makes me so excited to do that kind of work. Yeah. Any resource on that that like we can include in the show notes? Like, do you have go-to resources for that? Yeah, I can actually flip you a few. Um, one of the things that we had just gone through was the three, two, one marketing um, course. So 
they're an amazing local company, 321 yeah. Growth. Uh, I would highly recommend them, but it's just, it was like a nice way to look at a buyer's journey and really figure out what works. But yeah. that's one company I would recommend. I would also say to anyone that's listening that has a startup, apply to the accelerators in our city. Um, Junction was phenomenal for us. That's where I learned about customer journey um, the first time. And it's free. Yeah. All you got to do is apply. And they're great, amazing advisors that are still with us today, helping us with our business. So I would really recommend that as well. That's awesome. Any, uh, I'm not sure if you're a reader, a voracious reader, but do you have a most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? Yeah. So uh, what I know for sure by Oprah Winfrey, I'm yeah. obsessed with Oprah, <laughs> um, but it's actually a collection of notes that she had in O Magazine that she just compiled into a book. And I found it really helpful to get me through some hard things. What do you know for sure? What I know for sure is that I'm still growing and I need to be kind to myself. And what I also know for sure is that as a woman in this space, I am still trying to own my identity so that I can elevate more women that are in this space. Yeah, I love it. What are your, we've talked about some of them. Are there any other go-to strategies for handling stress that we didn't talk about? Uh, yeah, so I was not a big workout person. <laughs> I, I don't, I never really understood it, but uh, now I don't think you need to go to a gym and do all that, like do whatever makes sense for you. But I really think getting physically active is important. I get it now. Um, also going outside has been helpful for me. And then I will just keep my phone out of my bedroom, which mm-hmm. I think Ariana Huffington does too, but I try not to have my phone in my room when I sleep because then the first thing I do when I wake up is check my email, immediately get stressed out about something that is honestly not that important and could wait a few hours So that's something that I try to do. I'm not always that successful. So I would say if you can buy a real alarm clock, they're super inexpensive (laughs) and um, keep your phone out of your bedroom. Love it. What's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Life lesson I've learned. I, I don't know if I've been given great advice, but I would say life lesson is just it comes down to kindness, honestly. Um, I know that being in the startup space, especially like what we're doing, we get told a lot like, oh, you need to be a shark. But I think there's a way to do that, um, but still be kind. And I think if you approach any situation with kindness and warmth, that you'll get really far. Um, I know I'm probably butchering something Oprah said, but I think gratitude is honestly the key to life in general. Be grateful for everything, the small things, the big things, and even the bad things I try to, but I don't know if that's the best, but that's sort of what I've learned in my short 25, 26 years on earth. Yeah. You honestly, you are so wise for your, like (laughs) literally are so wise for your age. I think of where I was at at 26 and I'm like, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. And the final question, which is a very Oprah like question is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Oh my gosh, freedom. I think that's what it means to me to live my best life. And what does that mean exactly? Uh, Financial freedom more than anything to live a life where I can not do what I want, but have the freedom to do what I want uh, more than anything. And then to be surrounded by my loved ones. I'm lucky enough to have the best friends in the world and the most incredible family. And I would love to go down any journey and live any life alongside them. Yeah. Well, thank you much, so much, Shanika, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. 
Once again, big thank you to Shanika for coming on the podcast. I know you will have loved her interview as much as I enjoyed spending time with her. So just a reminder, if you want one of those final three spots for Don't Just Survive, Thrive, Building Resilience During COVID-19, email me, victoria at stresslessladies.com to snag it before they're gone. It is going to be absolute fire. And honestly, these are the stress reduction skills that you will carry with you for the rest of your life so that whenever those challenges come up, because they will come up, you can bounce back faster and own stress instead of letting it own you. Have a fantastic week and I can't wait to talk to you next time.